This week on the Solid State Podcast, Eric and I go a bit rogue and record a whole episode, well, there's another way to say it, without Cody's permission. It's the classic podcasting story. One presenter gets so excited about a bit of news and messages his co-presenter at an ungodly hour of the morning, and the next thing you know, the cameras are rolling, the mics are plugged in, and it's time to record. Now, you might think on the list of things that would result in such a last minute go live, it would be things like a surprise iPad announcement, a sudden video game drop, or the leak of tech's next big thing. Well, try not to be too disappointed when I tell you, it's none of those things, not even close. See, we've already done a recent installment in our ongoing What is a Photo series of topics. And when Sony announced a camera that is all but certainly gonna tell a sizable portion of that story, we couldn't resist. The camera itself is more than you're likely ever gonna wanna spend, and is jammed back with features you'd almost certainly never use. But the story is so much bigger than one new skew in Sony's ever-evolving lineup. Camera tech, as a whole, has been on an upward trajectory of evolution in recent years. Fueled by the advances in the smartphone space that keeps putting ever better glass right in people's pockets on a daily basis. And that's where things get interesting. The entire what is a photo moment is as much about what are you taking a photo with as just about anything else. Not to mention what happens after the shutter is pressed and Google's cloud gets a minute or two with your hard earned frames. This one takes some turns for sure, but honestly, did you show up here for anything less? Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's Solid State Podcast. I'm your host, John Joyce. I'm Eric Sargent. And that's it for this. Nope. <laughs> in, <laughs> in, silence. In, in silence. Yes, our third co-host, Silence. No, uh, we are jumping in midweek this week, so the schedule is just aligned better for Eric and I to hop on, um, mostly because... It's, it's a little bit of a different format this week. We are going to do the next installment in our What is a Photo series. And the first few of these, as expected, are going to focus primarily on the hardware behind these devices that let us capture said photos. And then obviously we talked about greatly in our last bit about um, what then computational photography and now AI-based photography is doing mm -hmm both before, during, but all importantly, after you press the shutter button. Yeah. But we're going to get there, I guess is the easiest way to put it. There, there's a, we are, believe it or not, there is a method to this insane madness that, that we're falling down. <laughs> we're, we're really, really in on the hardware behind it because there is a lot happening in that hardware, not for the first time in a while. I mean, camera hardware, even just photography tech. We've talked about it in the last couple of years. It's changed a lot, but it, it has, seems yeah. like those changes are reaching a fever pitch, much the way smartphone photography did when computational photography came to the forefront, when HDR first became a thing, and when yeah. Google's Night Sight first became like, we saw these first big splashy changes, and then it was just off to the races. And I feel like we're seeing a very similar moment taking shape around purpose-built bespoke photography and, and, and camera devices because let's face it and I, I eric i have not asked you this question before the pod so i'd be curious sure. if you would agree is the camera as we know it when i say camera i mean a camera capital c camera yeah becoming more and more smartphone every day yeah so i was actually going to lead into that it's going to flip my talking points on their head but it, it actually Sorry, makes as no, no 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 it actually <laughs> makes a whole lot of sense because um I've actually been researching another camera for a, a gift for someone um, who wants a more simplified camera, but still wants an interchangeable lens camera. Right. And the one that I've landed on is one from from Canon, which is a brand we're familiar with. We both 
bought our R sixes and all that kind yep. of stuff. So Canon put out um an R fifty. So with with Canon, the higher the number, the lower in the less, range. The less pro it is, I guess, is yeah. what you could say. So they have an R one hundred too that's even further down the rung. But the the R fifty is, you know, it has the the same uh processor in there. So it does all that um AI tracking of eyes and faces and things like that for the autofocus, which is really great, mm-hmm. which was like that magical thing we talked about on that episode. But the other thing that it does is it has, you know, on your little mode dial on the top of the camera, there's always an A for auto, you know, where yep. you can just go full auto and let the camera just do all the work. Well, apparently on this R50 now, when you put it on A, it has a little plus next to it, A plus. A plus. And, and when you're in there, there are modes that are essentially computational photography built into the interchangeable lens camera. So you can go on right. there and you can actually do like a bracketed mode where it takes multiple pictures and then combines those pictures into one photo, just like your phone does when you take, I was say, just, you take just how the iPhone or modern Android yep. phone does HDR. And it's doing it all it's, in, it's in camera. Yeah. It's yep. doing it all in camera. So yeah, I, I, I 100% agree that there are certain subsets of camera that are leaning more heavily towards trying to attract people who've only ever taken pictures with their smartphone and want a camera transition to work very similar. They want to see the same kind of results. They want to feel like they're getting the same, you know, when you look at those phone pictures that you take and they're, they have this dynamic range that's crazy because it took 12 pictures and did basically an HDR merge on it when you didn't Mm -hmm. even see it because it was all automatic in the background. They want people to be able to experience that with no fiddling and no going into Lightroom and doing it yourself. It's all happening in camera. So yeah, definitely. It's definitely going that way. It's a thing. It is a thing (laughs) for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, now that I've completely messed with your entire flow no. for this morning, but so, so if that's happening down at, I, I mean, I would, I'll stop short of saying entry range. Cause I, I, it's not, that's not yeah, really happening. Nice. Like when, when, when I think of like entry range, I think of what was my first, again, maybe medium capital C camera was my, my old, um, was it my, my rep that, that old rebel that I bought? Yeah, it was the a rebel excess be- something or other. Sure. Yeah, sure. It was a best buy box special. I woke yep. up one day and decided I want a camera and I went yeah. to best buy and thought what I spent was I, what I thought was a lot of money on a camera and oh boy, howdy was I wrong, but it seemed <laughs> like a lot, especially at the time. And yeah. uh, I bought a camera. Um, well, I mean, but, so there's that, but then there's that these R50 that kind of sit in between. That R50 is sort of at that range. The R100 is, is it? probably, okay. the R100 is like 400 and change for the body. Okay. And the yeah. R50 is 600 and change. Okay. So, I mean, they're so, relatively low compared to, you know, when you start getting into the other cameras we're going to talk about. <laughs> the, which which the, segues is perfectly into. When you compare it to this, yeah. Yeah. So, the, the, the latest bit of kit we're here to talk about um, on this what is a photo conversation, because it really is as we talked about how the technology is taking shape and developing at at a dramatically faster pace, it seems right now than it had in recent years. Um, And this, this could be a big one. We haven't gotten it in our hands yet, but on, on paper, this seems like it could be big, not just for Sony, but for the industry at large. This is the Sony alpha nine three coming. I mean, officially announced, you can pre-order it now, I believe coming early next year, February, February if I remember I correctly. Think, yep. Yeah. But um, there's obviously this is it's it's pre-orderable at six thousand dollars for the body. So we're yep. talking this is a bold capital C camera. Um yes. <laughs> there there are more expensive out there, but this is far beyond what even an enthusiast would likely be going out there to buy. Yes. Like I I think about my R6 is kind of like I I am I am not even 
I'm not a professional. I'm not even what someone would call a prosumer. I am, I am maybe an enthusiast. Like I, I like to take cam- pictures with more than just my smartphone and feel right. like I'm playing photographer. And you know, so I, and I spent what I feel is the upper end of the range to yeah, that those point with the R6. Inexpensive. Yeah. No, but then you jump in, but then the very next step again, keeping in the, in the Canon realm real quick, where I'm just more familiar and short footed. The, when you jump from that R6 to the R5, it, the, the steepness starts to increase yep. dramatically. And then yeah. you're hitting the R3 and maybe someday we'll, we'll talk about later, we'll hit an R1. Um, but bringing it back to Sony, because that's where this development's taking place. The, the Alpha 9.3, I'm sure you'll touch on a number of you know, the things that make it exciting, but I'm just going to cut right to the chase because there's one key thing about yep. this camera that isn't just important to Sony. It's not just important to this camera. It's likely to be important for the range of, if we're going to keep talking about what is a photo, there's also room for conversation about what is a camera and mm-hmm. what's happening in those cameras and how they're developing now so fast. Yeah. And and it has been exponential. And I mean, this one is, yeah, the big thing that you're talking about is the, Sony is calling it the world's first full frame global shutter sensor which is that's a whole lot of information so basically yeah. to, to back into that a little bit the sensors that you know take your image on most digital slrs and mirrorless cameras they when you click the shutter button they actually take a photo line by line so if you've got you know a for uh, what a 40 megapixel sensor, you know, 4,000 line, you know, like there's just lines all the way down mm-hmm. of those pixels. Of pixels. It goes, yep. it goes line by line and grabs the light. And I mean, it's almost instantaneous, right? It's like very it's fast quick. that it takes. Yes. It, but it's still going line by line down there. So if you're moving the camera, if you're panning the camera really fast as you're taking action shots or video, especially when you're moving the camera back and forth. It or has, if the subject is in motion, like I think about motorsport right. photos, for example. Yeah. So it has what they call rolling shutter. So because the subject is moving or the camera is moving as those lines are exposing down from top to bottom, the actual, like the image will bend and warp. So Mm -hmm. you'll see like, if you're going by like a a white picket fence and you're scrolling by fast, the, all the wrong, the white picket fence will all be bent, you know, as you go, because depending on how fast you were moving, because it takes line by line and it can't go fast enough if you're moving the camera or the, or like you said, motorsports, the car would look all bendy or helicopter blades would bend and things like that because of the rolling shutter. Which Um, I, which I, I I do have to inject there real quick. Um, interject (laughs) that exact effect you're talking about so often by accident can also be responsible for some of the coolest shots you didn't know you were going to take. So you can do some probably probably put a pin in that and come back to it. (laughs) I I think there's almost a a certain cost of for some of this technology as well, but yeah, definitely. And, and then, you know, so the big thing that people wanted was this global sensor. So what a global sensor does is, you know, the opposite of the other one. It doesn't go line by line. It exposes the entire frame, all the pixels at once. They all take the reading at once, which takes extremely fast computation on the camera side to be able to pull all that information of processor and process work. it into there. Yep. So that, and that's one image to do that. So the crazy thing about this global sensor that, that Sony has put into their alpha nine three is that it can shoot 120 frames per second raw with full autofocus still functioning. The processing yeah. power in that camera has to be absolutely ridiculous. I don't, yeah. I think that, the limitation ends up becoming the speed of the card you're using because even the fastest cards, I think you can get 
one to two seconds of that level of burst before those things are just going to be like, hold on. The cash you know, I mean, freaks out. Yeah, yeah, because you've got 240 raw photos in your, you know, waiting to be processed and yep. put onto your card. I mean, it's, you know, and, and the other thing is in other, other companies are doing this, but not with 120 frames. Um, and you can obviously adjust this 120 frames is the, the high end. The, you can go threshold. low, you can do 60, yeah. you know, 90, 60, whatever you want to do for your frames per second. But, um, when it's, when it's shooting that speed and processing all those photos and, and all of that kind of stuff, it's, it's just, it, it, it's blowing my mind. I'm sorry. I'm having trouble speaking because 120 frames per second processing to a card all at once, no rolling shutter and $6,000. I mean, the, the next level of these cameras that you can get with a global shutter, because they have come out before the sensor's smaller. It's a little larger than an APC, uh, which is called super 35. And they're only in high end cinema cameras. Like red cameras and stuff, red, right? Red like camera, big Canon boy has cameras. one as well. Yeah, but they're like, you know, these are thirty, forty thousand dollar cameras that you're talking production about. production equipment. Yeah, yeah, and they're doing it for six, which you know, don't hear me, don't mishear me. Six thousand dollars is a lot of money for a camera, especially it for is. anybody. The only people who are really, I feel, going to gravitate towards this are people who a want the latest gear, like have to yep. have the latest camera from Sony. Um, yep. Or people who are shooting, like you said, motorsport, sports, um, you know, basketball, baseball, like all of the the sports photography shooters that need those bursts yep. of photos. Um, because the other thing that I was alluding to and then got off track because this thing's blowing my mind is um, with the 120 frames per second, you're getting um, a a pre-shutter, a pre-roll basically. So when you're going to take photos, if you turn this pre-roll on, when you half press the shutter, if you've got it set to do 120 frames per second, it will mm -hmm. actually take one second of pre-roll before you press the shutter. So if you're half pressing and you're focusing on something, right. and then you press the shutter, you're getting 120 frames per second when you press the shutter, and you also are getting the previous 120 from before you press the shutter. So from you the half press. Full second from before so if you miss your decisive moment of the photo that you wanted to get you have a second of pre-roll to go back and look for that image through 120 frames in that one second it took before it's incredible which is incredible so and, and again other cameras do that but not you don't get 120 frames to choose from no or, or 90 I, or 60 even or you whatever know, your like, setting yeah is. whatever you're and setting it at and it really is just so let's circle back to the price real quick. Cause I do, yeah. I do want to talk about that for a second because you're right. I, cause let's also remember this is body only. So yeah. I have to imagine you're at seven to $8,000 by the time you're geared up to actually go out and start taking and creating photographs with yeah. hardware. Real. Yeah, I mean, cause the thing is, if you're going to, if you're going to go in and you're going to buy an alpha nine, three, at six thousand dollars for the box. You're not going to throw right? a nifty fifty on it. You're not going to throw a nifty <laughs> fifty on there. You're going to be going for one of the G Master series lenses from Sony, which are going to be two, three, four grand, depending on the ones that you're buying. They're very expensive. So yeah, you're looking. You're you could be so, upwards of almost ten by the time. Yeah. You're so, so let's let's go a, let's go crazy and call it ten grand. Yep. I will echo. Don't mishear me about ever making light of ten thousand right. yeah. dollars, but I do. I think it's important because th this is another component of this ongoing conversation we're having. So now I'm going to segue back to the iPhone real quick. And that conversation we had about 
the generation of creators are going to be able to go out and do things that they couldn't have done before mm -hmm. because at that to that point for under $1500 or let's face it 50 bucks a month to your local carrier right. um you're getting access to this this suite of abilities this what this hardware unlocks you to be able to do obviously this is a big step up from that when you're talking 7 8 10,000 dollars of investment but i still insist on thinking about that generation of creators that are going to be able to do what this hardware can do. Mm -hmm. $10,000 is an attainable number still to a much wider array of people than the $50,000 you were talking about sure. with, with some of the cares that could do this prior. Like you were basically, you were working for a brand to, to have been, to have been doing that before. You know what I mean? You yeah. are not out there making, you know, if you're, I think about the person who might be making their first, their, you know, their first creation on an iPhone, this might be what they're using to make their, their second one. You know, they made a little sure. bit of money and they're ready to step up. You know what well, I mean? Yeah. I this, mean, this, this opens up that door versus the gulf between I created something on an iPhone to someone just handed me a $50,000 red camera and told me to go start shooting. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there, this is a very much to the left side of that spectrum. Yeah, I agree. A whole I mean, lot of ability. I think back to, you know, film school days and hearing the stories of the the run and gun shooters of the day, which were like uh, Kevin Smith and, um, oh god, the guy who did um, Desperado and all those movies. Like they basically they they make they made these movies on a budget. They um, oh, Robert yeah. Rodriguez. Um, yeah. They they made these movies on a budget. Like um, Kevin Smith maxed out all of his credit cards. To yep. buy to purchase black and white film and rent a camera um you know robert rodriguez actually went in and did um medical testing like he had chunks cut mm -hmm. out of the back of his arm and then healed you know and then they paid him six or eight thousand dollars or whatever it was for that I'm medical fair, testing. i'm fairly positive he made his product his set lighting with construction lights from home depot if he i remember did. correctly yep, absolutely so, yeah. yep he did and he <laughs> and so th this I, I think back to those guys and they were they were around this range to to, to rent a camera and purchase film so they could do yep. it. So now you're looking at like, this is at the level I equate it to, this is a new person going out. And I, again, I do not recommend doing this, but here you go. <laughs> um, you know, this is the difference between a filmmaker who has that itch that must make a new film, must make a film, wants to put out art, wants to do that kind of stuff. This is the difference between them maxing out credit cards or putting a second mortgage on a house. You know what right. I mean? They can max out their credit cards or, and again, I don't recommend this, but you could do that and afford something like this that would create right. content that is on a professional level, like a red cinema camera, rather than going and having to spend 50, 60, $70,000 in mortgage a house to get that kind of money. You know what right. I mean? So they, it's, it becomes more attainable. It's still a ridiculous amount of money, but it becomes more attainable for those people who want to go out of there and create that kind of content that's yep. above and beyond what you can get out of a, out of a smartphone. So yeah. I mean, so, it's, yeah. So, so back to the camera itself. So this yeah. uh, all roads lead back to this, you know, the, this global shutter, right? So in, in your opinion, after you well, first I'll ask the big hairy question, you know, obviously they're not, you know, the same camera by a long shot, but right. to what degree of shutter envy do you have having just purchased a piece of hardware in the last 30 sure. days? And sure. then, uh, the, cause that's part of living in the, in the, in our gadget focused world, yeah. right? There's always yeah. another thing. And again, this is obviously a 
whole different level of investment from a hardware perspective yeah, also but you just bought so. a camera like, well, what what does that feel like well yeah i mean you know it, it feels pretty good to have spent two on a camera instead of fair six enough. and fair still enough. be and still be happy with what i have i mean the it's you know the this camera is on a different level this is a is. this is a this is a professional camera the camera that i have is still right. a pro level camera but it's on the lower end of the pro you know, side of things. It's more the camera that I purchased is one that most people who are in the Nikon space consider their backup camera, their second camera, right. if they're professionals. You know, if they go out, they shoot with a Z9 or a Z8, they keep the, the ZF in their bag. So they pull that out if there's an emergency or something happens they've, or, and they've got yep. a second camera to use. They can you know, still has, take a highly competent photo with it. Right. Yeah. In with, a, the, in a pinch. with electronic yeah. shutter on the ZF, you get 30 frames per second. Right. Um, so, you know, again, rolling shutter is going to be a problem. It is a it is a noticeable problem on the ZF because it is on every camera yeah. that isn't a global shutter, which is literally every camera other than this new one. Um, so 30 frames per second, is still, it, that's that's a decent amount it you is. Know, of frames per second. I'm, I'm never going to use that. I'm not a sports photography mm. person. You know, the most I think I could, you know, the only time I can think I've ever used that would be like wildlife stuff, maybe taking pictures of birds or things like that that might take off quickly. And I want objects in motion. You know, I would I would turn on, you know, that high speed frame capture at that point. But then, of course, 25 of those 30 frames wouldn't be usable because the bird would be all bendy from rolling shutter as I was trying to chase it around the frame, you know. So yeah. it it's I, I don't think I have any envy because I would never utilize the power that that camera has because it's not right. for me. You know, it's, it's not, not it's at you. a level that's just beyond what I would ever, you know, I'm, I'm more of a like wander around with the camera in my hands and I'm, I'm purposefully snapping a single photograph of something that piques my interest to try to create yep. shapes or do that kind of stuff. That's the kind of photography I am, or I'm doing portrait photography where the people are sitting still and they're looking at me. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's not a lot of like need for 120 frames per second when you've got <laughs> someone sitting there in front of you and they're not moving. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I would never utilize it, but I mean, it's just, it blows my mind what people are going to be able to do mm -hmm. with the camera. And again, and this is not to say, so my, my lead into this with the whole, what is a photograph is this piques my interest because this is the first digital camera that takes a photograph the same way that a piece of film did. Exposes a photograph. Yeah. It exposes yep. the entire frame, just like it would expose the entire frame. Now, what happens after that frame is exposed is completely different. In a camera, you wind it and it goes into the container and yep. you move on to the next thing and you rewind it and go and develop it and it's all in there. Nothing gets touched afterwards. This is still, there's computational photography. There's things happening. There's sharpening. There's color correction. There's all that kind of stuff. But the mechanism by which that moment is being frozen in time, which is exactly. one of the handful ways I choose of thinking about these things. Like there's, yeah. a, there's a moment in flux it's being stopped yeah. right then and there yep. and that's happening now in totality which i do think yep. is a mind shift for because you're right there's there's a dividing line here right there's there's the moment i mean in the case of this camera literally leading up to because it's capturing it beforehand but the moment leading up to when that shutter is pressed yep. when the shutter is pressed and then there's the life of that photo afterwards what right. happens afterwards is still very much that what is a photo conversation but yeah. left to its raw devices this is very much in my mind in the camp of one of the truest expressions of capturing a moment and preserving it as it was in front of that lens when the shutter was pressed in totality. Yeah, for a digital camera, absolutely. It's it's a first as far as I know for that kind of 
that kind of capture. So again, and then, you know, to talk about what happens after, you know, it's still, it can do composite raw shooting in camera. So it can do four, eight, 16 or 32 photos that then get merged using, you have to use their desktop right. computer software. It will flag them and then you process it through the desktop after it's not happening uh, in camera, but it's still it. setting it up to be able to do that. Um, it's gathering all the raw data to then yep. push out the other end. Yeah, and it has the optical image stabilization that a lot of them have. So my camera that I got was one of the first cameras to offer eight-stop stabilization, mm. yep. which was it was very new to get that much. It's usually like five and a half stops, six stops, something like that. This one had eight. This camera now has eight with wow. that kind of sensor, which is crazy. So that's going to be the new norm is is probably eight, and then it will go up from there. Does It has Sony's... Um, AI autofocus built into it, which is class leading. They, they've been yeah. the ones that have been driving. Everyone else has been, been playing been catch following. up. So yep. they, they've got even, even newer. And now they're doing it there. again. Yeah. yeah. So it's going to be crazy. And, and the other thing that's really interesting is what they call blackout free shooting. So normally when you take a picture on my camera, on most other cameras, when you press that shutter, your, your uh, viewfinder goes black for a second. Yes. Because just like it would have in the past. You know, but for a very different reason. So in the past, the yeah. shutter would close and you'd lose your image because you're looking through a prism and out the lens. You don't do that anymore. But you still black out when you're taking a picture on these digital cameras because it's processing and it yep. blacks out because it's it needs to, time to process before it can take another picture. So it it blacks out because it's it, stopping you. You can't take another one yet. Okay, now you can. Right, you know, it's the visual so. cue that I'm ready yep. to take another photo now. Exactly. Yeah. This, this camera is blackout free. Like it has no interruption in the viewfinder when you're taking pictures. It processes so fast, there's no interruption in the viewfinder. So you literally never wow. lose the image, um, which is crazy. And yeah, 120 frames per second, you know, autofocus. Yeah, 120 autofocus tracking calculations per second is what it also does. So it's another 120 of something. So it's constantly tracking looking for the things that you're tracking, right. grabbing that eye, grabbing that face, grabbing that animal, you know, automobile, whatever you just got it set to track. And it's calculating at 120 times per second on that processor, which is just insane. So that's incredible. Pre-roll and the burst shooting. Um, yeah, it's, and, and it, it will do subject recognition too with its AI. So you don't even necessarily need to set it to a mode of like mm -hmm. you can still to, to make it so it doesn't grab other things you don't want it to, but you can also leave it in just real time recognition autofocus, which means it will, it sees a person, it'll then go and grab their eye. It sees yep. an animal, it'll grab its eye. It sees an automobile, yep. it grabs the, you know, like it, it's just, it's crazy. So there's still, there's a lot of computation happening here happening. that allows you to take a photograph easier, this pre-roll thing, all of that kind of the purest photographer in me <laughs> kind of goes, that's awesome because you'll never miss a moment. But at the same time, it goes, well, now you'll never miss a moment. And mm -hmm. like you, the part of creating a photograph is capturing the moment you wanted to capture when you wanted to capture it using your skill as a photographer. And right. now it kind of, it, and it, it can, all of this makes it easier. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just interesting that it's all becoming easier to get, to do so many different things with the camera, like to pre-roll, like, oh, I missed the bird. I wanted the bird's wings in this position and I just missed it. You can now roll back and grab that exact moment. But you know, there will absolutely be a group of purists that would very yeah. happily stand up and say, well, then be better and take and, and, and you know, and press the shutter button at the right you. time. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, there's rely on your pre-roll and, like, <laughs> you know, 
you naive, you know, how dare you rely on your pre-roll? It's just, you know, it's just interesting to me that, you know, how, how much technology is packed into these cameras now, how much these cameras are doing right per second at this and, and that was the thing that i was getting at earlier which is how much they're doing that they weren't doing just a few years ago yeah i mean this technology has been developing for a century yeah but the hockey like, and like like so much else in technology i'm not making it not by a long shot just about cameras but if you look at the subset of technology and gadgets at a whole and just looked at cameras i mean mm-hmm. the hack the hockey stick is real on and, oh, yeah, it is. and then of course you go down that path okay then what's next and there's right. obviously a whole other conversation to be had there as well that's happening around us that I think the the intersect of what's happening and the cost of and what is a photo, all of that leads up to really what is next. And that conversation is going to develop around us because it's going to impact what is a photo. It's going to impact what is the cost of all these things to our perception of reality and something yeah. that we have been conditioned over our lives to see, you know, a, a picture is worth a thousand words. Mm-hmm. Well now it's worth one AI. Right. So you you know what I mean? So really, what does all that mean? Yeah. I mean, that's a good lead in to talk about this as well. You know, there's another thing that I wanted to touch on today because of all of this computational photography that's happening and will continue to happen. I see your point earlier about, you know, the AI, you know, and and the becoming more iPhone-like or or more Mm -hmm. phone-like in these cameras. That's going to continue to happen. It's going to go through all of these things. We're not done. (laughs) Not close. When processors like this one that are these crazy fast processors that are in the A93 are going to eventually make their way down to the lower tier cameras. When those lower tier cameras have this kind of processing power by default, they're going to build in those AI algorithms to change photographs, to merge the photographs. You're not going to have to do a merge on your desktop. You're going to do it in camera. And it's it's going to happen more and more even on these things. And then it becomes what's real, like, you know, are you going to eventually going to be able to speak to your camera and, you know, take a picture of something and say, you know, put a bird in this. And as you take the picture, the camera is going to process and do the AI for you and put the fake bird in there that you would use Photoshop for now. Like, will that eventually happen all in camera? So the photograph that's coming out on your SD card or whatever the future of that is, you know, goes onto your computer and is already altered beyond recognition from when you snap the photograph before you even get it into Photoshop would be interesting to see where that's headed. I I have a feeling that, you know, we're going to get some of that, maybe not all of that, but to combat that, there's a new, there's a new thing floating out there. There's a a company that's come out with a a content authenticity uh, certificate. Basically it's a, it's a, um, an algorithm. It's a, a a code, an encryption code um, that tells you who you are. So you go in, you sign up for it as a photographer, you get a string of letters and numbers. Um, right. or, or content creator, I should say, not necessarily yeah. just a photographer. Um, so Leica is a photography manufacturer, a very expensive one. They make very high-end cameras that are that have been used for a very long time for journalism. Journalists were mm-hmm. like the big Leica users back in the day. Oh, yeah. A lot of photographers, you know, still use them. They're, you know, they're three, four, five thousand dollar cameras for just a basic, you know, what would be considered a basic camera. Yeah, their entry they level have, is they don't have yeah. a lot of processing that happens they're just taking the digital photo and putting it on the card so they are now partnering with this company and they have this content authenticity built into the leica m11p camera so when you take a photograph with that m11p it embeds your content authenticity 
into the metadata of the photo so that and then any changes that are made to that photo are then logged also in the metadata so that there is um there's basically a log of provenance to when the photograph was created and everything that happened to it after it was created so that you can prove beyond the shadow of a doubt this picture was taken and was unaltered if there are no changes listed on right. there this was the cam this was what the camera captured there was no processing done to it and here it is and it has the authenticity listed on there and links you as the photographer and proves that it is what you say it is um which is done in direct retaliation to all of this yep. ai this is them saying we're going to show you that this photo hasn't been doctored and we can prove it so now this becomes again directed right towards journalism because they want to be able to say this picture of someone you know suffering a horrible death was you know or whatever was taken by this person and it is proof that this happened because nothing was doctored and nothing was altered after the fact right you know that's in a very extreme example but you know what i sure. mean like it's you know i'm thinking back to those famous you know time life photographs that you have of these right. war crimes and things like that that somebody could now today go oh you just created that with ai yep you know you you put you know man standing in front of tank into your Adobe <laughs> and created a picture that shook the world you know what i mean yep. you don't know if that's real this proves that it was real because nothing has been altered since that altered. fact which is interesting to think about that this is you know will all cameras eventually have this will this work its way into something like the canon r50 that i'm talking about that does all uh -huh. that in camera processing will there be a mode on these cameras that let you go into content authenticity mode to embed those kind of things for all cameras or is it just going to be for specific and then no one else is going to care about this it's kind of interesting to think where it's going to where it's going to well, and and I hate stuff. I hate to put my security hat on, but now we're just creating another arms race because then it's going to sure. be you know the race is on to who can crack that algorithm first, who can right. inject malicious, you know what I mean, and manipulate yep. the stream, you know, and oh, yeah. that's and this is nothing new. Again, the ability to you know create a better counterfeit to to yeah, that's yep. that's been going on as long as there's been a human condition. So yeah. it's 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 fascinating and scary to think about, but not to the point of not being worth doing it all this technology is valid and valuable and can be used for good i, I say it all the time it's not it's not inherently bad it's not inherently yep. evil it's how we choose to yeah, use the it intent behind it sure the intent behind it so again to be to have something that can prove beyond the reasonable shadow of a doubt that that's as it was in that yep. moment that moment that shutter was pressed that's got value that yep. that builds the the value of the the intrinsic value of the authenticity itself the knowledge that that was the moment as it was i think is going to be something that's actually going to become more valuable the deeper we all yep. get into this generative experience that we're all kind of meandering into yeah i do believe that is going to exponentially increase the value of being able to point to something and say that's real that's yeah, it, how it was yeah i agree um, and I, that's going to become it'll valuable become, it'll become very important especially for that you know, news side of things. I think sure. that it eventually, you know, this, it, they talk a lot about this embedding it into photographs. Um, mm -hmm. I think it'll be a big thing when it's embedded into video in real time as well. I don't know if it is in this camera, you know, I don't know that the M11Ps even really do video because they're just, they're straight photography cameras usually. Right. I, I didn't look in to see if it does video, but you know, that's the big thing, right? Like people are creating these deep fake videos and having this content authenticity yep. built into video proving this video has not been altered 
um, is going to be very important as well, because people can basically right now generate any public figure saying anything they want in that public figure's voice. And Mm -hmm. if they've got the right one that they're creating it with, it looks pretty believable. You know, they can, the quality is, is there. So, I mean, it's, you know, we're, we're already at this point where it's what's, what's real and what isn't. So yeah, I think this stuff becomes very important, very fast, and it'll be interesting to see how quickly it kind of goes into everything else. Now that Leica's kind of cracked the code, so to speak on that, are they going to be able to, are other people just going to jump on it? Or is it going to be like, I'll just let Leica do their thing. You know, they're (sighs) the crazy expensive camera company. Just let them do those guys. And it becomes, you know they're the only ones that do it. And then of course that means that reporters and things like that are only going to use that camera. They'll probably be required to use it. You know, sure. I would assume even like government people taking photographs for the government and things like that would eventually have to use something like this to prove the authenticity of the photograph. If, if this takes hold and becomes Mm -hmm. a a moment, a thing. So. Oh, there's a lot happening in that space. Yeah, for sure. And, and I guess more, to follow on what is a photo for sure. Yeah, definitely. There, there was one other like little piece that I wanted to talk about that kind of yeah. is the opposite end of this content authenticity. So <laughs> that is proving that everything is real. There's apparently a new, um, these, this company came out with this new AI based neural network called glass imaging that they're looking to, I think eventually get camera companies to buy into of you course. Know, or, or, or smartphone companies to buy into so that they can then process. So it's, it's basically, it's one of these, you know, neural network, take a bunch of photos and it merges them together and creates a better photograph from it. Uh, it's sure. that kind of algorithm, but it makes the smart for the point. The whole purpose of it is it makes smartphone images look like they came out of a, a high end camera. Right. Got it. Which, you know, hence the glass piece of it. I right, exactly. They showed some examples and, you know, grain of salt. They're the examples that they chose to show. Of course. The ones that they chose to show, they did some charts like the the focus charts and things like that, that you would normally test lenses with. Mm-hmm. They did that and compared like straight out of the smartphone and then through the glass imaging. They were, they were noticeably sharper and clearer out of coming out of this algorithm that you know what yeah. goes to show so i mean i could definitely see it increasing but again what is a photograph like right at What's this the point, point like what what you captured you've now run through an algorithm manipulated pixel count it has been manipulated in camera before mm-hmm. your eyes ever even see it so it could it could change from what you took a picture of will it change a lot probably not but it would still be a different photograph than the one that you pushed the shutter on because it's essentially 12 photographs or 20 photographs I mean, sure. and, and then merged together and it's 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 interesting to think about what what's real at that point and there's and there's so many variations on that very topic because i think about you know I'm, I'm forcing myself to put things into different buckets and i feel very similarly about all of them but still like that that falls into one bucket i think of as quality enhancement right you took a sure. photo and it is enhancing the quality of the thing that you were trying to capture yeah. I view that as slightly different, not necessarily better or worse, mind you, just slightly different from subject manipulation. Yeah. Like that's the whole, the sales pitch behind all the Google stuff right now, right? Everyone's looking 12 different ways in a photo and now suddenly they're all staring at you and smiling perfectly. You know what I mean? That is yeah. that is literally creating a set of circumstances that did not exist the moment that shutter button yep. was pressed compared to we're going to still manipulate do not mishear me still manipulate the photo to 
in, you know, subjectively increase or improve the quote unquote quality of what was in front of that lens when the shutter right. button was pressed. So again, they're all manipulation. They're all changes. They're all in my mind, changing what a photo is. Um, but they are, they're also still very different. I, I do because yeah. that line for me is improvements versus creation, I guess yeah. is the easiest way to put it. Yeah, no, for sure. It's, it's definitely, it's definitely different. And I, and I agree. And I mean, making the pictures look better out of a, a smartphone is fantastic, especially if this kind of thing works for video as well. And all of that, yep. again, it's the thing we talk about. It puts these tools in the hands of someone that can't afford anything else and gives them the ability to create something that is of a quality that you, you know, I think back to when I started shooting, you know, films, you know, quote unquote, heavy air quotes, films on a high eight camcorder you know the, the quality <laughs> the 320 i you know that was quality that was coming out of those or whatever it was to to something i think it was just ridiculous compared to what we have yeah. today in in a in a phone that we hold in our hands can create video that would have rivaled the films that were being made back in the day you know on anything yeah. so it's just just interesting to think about how far we've come in a short time and 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 now we're seeing the seeds being planted of what the next revolution is going to be in these global sensors in, in this AI processing that's happening um, on the back end in these cameras. It's, it's, it's crazy. The kind the, the amount of processing that's going into each either photograph or frame of video that's being created at this point, 100, right. 120 operations per second in this alpha nine, three that are happening as you oh, take photographs it, and video. So uh, I, I will bookend my thoughts about the Alpha 9.3 with this. I think you're absolutely correct. The the processing abilities at such a point, I, and I don't know because I haven't held one or used one, um, I have to believe and agree with you that storage has got to be one of the limiting bottlenecks at this point yeah. in so much as I can't wait to you know read and hear about when people do get these in their hands because I have to wonder if some of those features are only available when you're connected to external storage over USB-C. Yeah, like, I I'm struggling to actually wrap my head around read writing to an SD card of any speed and pulling off some of those computational numbers. It just seems massive. Yeah. yeah, I haven't I haven't seen the video. I mean, the video is usually the one for the for the recording, like to the external. And I haven't really seen any information on it. It may be here, but I may not have gotten to the right spot of what it can record in camera. Um it, it could because mo you're right most of the time like if you want to get like the 8k over sample down to six you know full right 14 bit video and you know four four two two video all, and you need an external um drive for that because again you know a, a one terabyte card cf express flash card or whatever for these things that has the speed you need i mean you're going to fill that up in no time doing 4k yeah. video i mean you're video. going to fill that up in no time so yeah you're going to need an external just for that it's it's not going to take long so yeah it's well uh, more to follow i i don't necessarily anticipate this one being a what's in the box down the road because well no. <laughs> they won't they won't send us one and it's ten thousand dollars so yep, exactly um, but we yeah. we will we will observe from afar so still maybe more to follow on that one once it does start getting in people's hands early next year i just yeah and more and frankly, when we, we see what other people are going to do in response, ex that's what ex I exactly. I was just going to say, 
even if we don't circle back specifically to this one skew, this one product, I know this conversation, this piece of the conversation is not over because you're right, Eric, this is, this is, this happens not even beyond tech. It's the first time any one big thing, you know, people are chasing a dream and then it happens and suddenly everyone else starts doing the same thing. This is what this is going to unlock for the broader industry with these global sensors. I just really think that's, that's going to mean something to the broader industry. And that moment is going to happen seemingly overnight because this first moment has happened. And now the domino, the, the the line of dominoes has been, I mean, we've, we've heard about Canon's R1 and this is what their, their limiting factor, I believe has been them trying to conquer the chasing the sensor in a, in an affordable manner. And, and then Sony beat them to the punch. So I have a feeling that they're first on the order list to get one and they're going to rip this camera apart and figure out how to get (laughs) it and then do the same thing. So we'll see like you said, we'll see the R1 pretty short. Well, you and I have talked offline about the R1 before the, the biggest challenge, but the R1 was the need to make it meaningfully better than the R3. Right. And I do think, and I do like in a way of like, here's this camera for this much, here's this camera for this much, and here's the reasons why it's this much more expensive to Canon. I do think this would be one of those that things, you know it. what I mean? To say yep. this sitting atop the pile of all of their other features, here's everything else. The R1 is, was destined to be, and it's got this global sensor. I just think that that could be the yeah. piece to your point that's been missing because the R1 has been notably missing for how long now? Yeah. It's just People been, have been like, talking right, about it for several it? years at this point. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it'll be interesting to see them come out with that here when they can so um yeah i'm just gonna be waiting with bated breath to see what the answer from all of the other camera companies is to this global shutter i I have a feeling you're right and we're going to start seeing it roll out in all of the top of the line cameras in the next couple of years and then it will start trickling down into the lower you know the mid-tier cameras shortly after Mm -hmm. that and then eventually everything will have a global shutter when they develop whatever the holographic yeah once they get to once they get to the point where, because this is true among across so many bits of tech, once it gets to the point where producing all of your, because there is an inflection point where it becomes more expensive to make the crappy one. You know right. what I mean? From, from a pure, from a production perspective, like there's a moment where the technology becomes so commoditized where it's like, okay, it is now cheaper for us to include this across the line from a manufacturing perspective yeah. versus insisting on holding on to the old thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I even, would assume- even from a, cost piece yeah i would assume once they crack it for this full frame sensor like this and getting it into an affordable quote unquote again affordable body for professionals i would assume that getting it then more affordable just comes with mass producing it getting more and more of them making more making of more them. and then they're yeah. also going to be able to pair it down to the apc size cameras for their their mid-tier and lower cameras will then suddenly be able to get a global shutter that's yep. so much cheaper because oh well we can make these big ones for so cheap now the smaller ones are even cheaper than that and then it's going to all of a sudden just go wide and everyone's going to have it yep so i agree oh well not quite yet on that bombshell because right. we knew this one That'd would right. run a few <laughs> minutes well yeah that's too. Yeah. we knew this one would run a little bit short of our normal runtime, and um we're only experts at going over not under these days right. um so i did want to tack one more wholly and completely unrelated thing to okay. the end of this one because this the story is happening around us this week and it's going to be happening for quite some time um so if, if we've let off the first 40 whatever minutes of this you know hour of your lives talking about what is a photo and the hardware behind it i would be remiss for not talking about the other bit of news happening this week which is i don't know a better way to put it if if that's what is a photo this is what is a smartphone if it doesn't have a screen um so we're gonna we're gonna take a quick walk uh with humane and it's 
announce humane AI pin. Oh yeah, that. Okay, the pin. Um, yes. Yep. <laughs> I forgot so about that. <laughs> this is a hard, hard, hard left turn, but I just I can't. I can't stop thinking about this device and believe in now. You hear me now, believe me later. I do not mean from a, I can't wait to get one. I'm right. trying to, I'm, I'm actually trying to figure out why it exists and hoping maybe someone can help me out with that. Um, no, so they, they've, they've churched it up in a number of things, but let's just call this thing for what it is. It is a wearable smartphone with no screen. And that's really what this yeah. is. Your it's, hand is the screen, I guess. Sure. With a green light laser output where you can make calls take calls so on and so forth by by tapping your palm um but even before we get into the the interface layer there's so much we can and are going to talk about this thing but just because it's it's at a fever pitch in the moment right now because of the frankly very odd series of announcements they made where they kept like a lot of the broader tech journalist coverage out of it but brought only very specific publications in there's no meaningful reviews going on that I that I'm aware of yeah. it, it it's clouded around some oddity but I, I want to spend what little time we're going to put into it right now just talking about the thing itself because I'm just trying to crack the why yeah I don't because the, the the obsession is what's what comes after the smartphone right and that's true of the yep. entire industry everyone wants to figure out what's next Apple meta you, I mean, Amazon, all of them are trying to truly crack what's next after the smartphone. I mean, that, that market is at the heights of full maturity. It will continue to evolve. It'll continue to change and whatever, but it's not the growth potential in that space is very, very limited compared to the last 10 years because of the global maturity of that, of yeah. that market. So what's next after the smartphone and humane's feelings are, it is a quote unquote, AI powered pin that you wear on your chest that has a forward facing camera and a numerous other sensors that is watching, absorbing and observing everything around you and directly interfaces with several known AI models, including chat GPT, open AI, Microsoft, Google. I mean, it's just, it's a one-stop shop into all things AI. Um, but here's my big thing. Then you just have to believe it. And obviously, yeah. you know, you I can I can pull up my iPhone right now, open chat GPT and start interacting with it. And then there's a certain amount of, well, you might say a certain amount of belief I have to have. I would feel you have to have a certain amount of disbelief and then back into the belief piece if you're up for it. Um, but I still feel it is I can more efficiently fact check the robot on my phone. Sure. Then interacting with a device that's hanging off my body that I'm going to speak to, it's going to speak back to me. And what am I supposed to do? Have a 10 minute conversation where I interrogate the robot and say, well, where did you source that information? No, you're just going to say, how tall is that building? And it's going to, you know, do spit some computation out, yeah. and spit a number out. I'm not going to grab a ruler and go measure the building or I'm not saying, you know, how many calories is in that can of soda? And where did it get that information? Did it go and pull it directly from the website? Did it pull it from an independent, you know, nutrition facts source? Did right. it pull it from someone's Reddit post about the lies on the back of soda cans? I don't know. Yeah. So the sourcing out that information just seems difficult yeah. to a certain degree. And that's because this device is so wholly centered around AI. We could talk about the human interface layer elements of this. We could talk about the fact that how much does this thing weigh as it's hanging off your shirt? 
I mean, you know what I mean? There's yeah, so many. Gonna, that's what my first thought was. So this camera is going to be looking at the ground constantly. Right. But let's just very intentionally set that aside for a second because we would just have a spare few minutes to talk about it for right now. Again, so much more to come. But where I'm stuck on this is, and the reason I got here from the camera conversation is obviously so much what we're talking about with what is a photo and what's happening in cameras is directly adjacent to, if not wholly in on AI. Mm -hmm. So this is another extension of a bespoke purpose-built piece of hardware that its entire intention is to observe and absorb information around you as well as input from the user and then interface that directly with AI models, with LLMs. Yeah. And it's like, cool, except that these LLMs are inherently good at just being wrong. Yeah. If not flatly lying to you, like it's, it's obviously, it's an evolving technology, but they're also a garbage in garbage out machine. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying you still have to make the effort to fact check on your phone or on some other device. You know what I mean? You have to look up the source article or hope if you're using a good model, it actually includes those sources. If you're going to take the extra two minutes and check it out, that's on you. And I still recommend you do it. How do you competently do that with a device with no screen? Like I just, right. that seems so reductive, but I'm really, really stuck on that one piece of it. The fact checking piece of, I asked it a question. It gave me an answer. Now what? Yeah. And, and the, and the, what they're, what they've dubbed the laser ink display, I'm assuming doesn't have the ability to display a whole lot of information. You know, you've got the, your palm and it yeah, you're not, able, it's, so, it, yeah, it's not going to pull up the source block from whatever New right. York times article, it thinks it referenced whatever bit of information from, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's never, that's not going to competently get displayed out on your hand. No, it's just not, you're not going to scroll through that page. So unfortunately, very few people are doing this exercise in the first place. They're, they're asking chat GPT or Bard or whatever a thing they're getting an answer and moving on with their lives. Yeah. But I do think it's a critical component to have ready and easy access to the source materials for how it arrived at that answer, especially at this stage of the game, really forever. If you're not sourcing what's going on around you, this is not new with AI. Uh, I, you know, I've always been big about that article is interesting. Where did they base it off of? You know what I mean? Right. That's just, that's always been, I'm a curious person in that way, but that curiosity has ballooned exponentially in the last call year because of the explosion of AI on the scene and just this constant feeling of need to know that's interesting. How'd you get there? What led you to that answer? Where, what did you, what did you knit together and what component of that is potentially just flat wrong that resulted in a lie of an answer? And then you yeah. get into AI hallucinations on top of that, where that's not even garbage in, garbage out. That's truly just the AI picking a path that was wrong and then full send committing behind it and you know professing it like the absolute black and white truth. Yep. This is what yeah, AI no models to, do yeah. all day long. And, yeah. and if your tools by which you can back that up are now even more diminished because we've taken the visual layer out of it. You just have a very confident sounding robot talking to you. Right. And that's the thing we can't at this point in time, and maybe in the future it will change, but at this point in time, the garbage in garbage out is more relevant than ever because that is how people are fighting these AIs is yeah. they're filling them with garbage. Like that's the big thing about there's, there's artists out there that don't want their art stolen and created you know, pictures right. created based on their art. So there, there's like a program out there that's allowing them to like basically send poison pills into right. these AIs that make it output junk. And if that's happening with the text-based stuff too, you're right. We, we literally can't trust anything that's 
that's coming out of these at this point as as truth i mean they're definitely still interesting they can definitely create like i think of them as like helping to create fictional stuff sure great but when you want actual truth out of them you know you want like it's it's a it's a hard thing to trust but yeah i'm scrolling through this humane ai website and it's you know it's definitely interesting it has a lot of interesting ai based features i can't see this as a one-to-one replacement for a phone right i just can't it doesn't it doesn't have there's a lot of things that it is missing that become you become that person walking around talking to yourself out loud constantly because the only way to interact with this thing is Is with voice. voice. Yep. So you're walking down the street asking for it to do stuff and people are like, you talking to me? Oh no, you're talking to you. Right. And 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 you're you're so right. That's a whole thing. Think about the interactions you have with your smartphone every day and how many of them are you tap. And I'm not saying it's very healthy that we all spend as many hours as we do tapping away at a piece of glass. It's not, we all know that, but I can't imagine any healthier and certainly less efficient to now move it to. I'm sitting on the train, having an out loud conversation with getting answers. Like, right. You know, and it can output those to Bluetooth headphones or whatever, but it it can't read your mind yet. Remind me to buy my hemorrhoid cream. You know, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like you're going to have to do that on the train out loud. You know what I mean? There's like, there's things that you don't, I mean, I suppose you can bring up the interface on your hand and maybe type it out. They don't show that. They don't show no. a keyboard on That's your hand. Like I said, those, inter- those, those interactions, you, you have to manage contacts through a web page right. that you have okay, to interact yeah. with using another computer. Like yeah. this, is, this, is, this is a fourth screen device. And, yeah. But it is also, I get it. In their heads, they're thinking this is going to be someone's second. They have to be thinking it's going to be someone's second device. But it's also seven hundred dollars, yep. and has a and has a mandatory twenty four dollar a month plan associated with it. You get a phone number, and it's running the T Mobile network, right? And um, and that's it. Like there, there's no you can't use yeah, it anywhere else. No, yeah. so so sorry, eighty percent of America, you're right. out. Um, not to hate on Big Magenta, but. You know, yeah, it's T-Mobile, man. Yep, they're not exactly so, uh, number one or number two. So, yeah. But there's only three. No, we're <laughs> not going to go down that rabbit hole today. Um, no, I, and we've talked about this on the show in a broader sense. I believe in the value of these type devices and what they're going to do. Things, whether they end up being the next big thing or not, it's good that these things exist yeah. because it's people creating interesting stuff and it's made inspire someone else or be the stepping stone to what is the next big thing. I don't want to, I don't want to look and say, what a piece of garbage. What would you waste your time on? Now it might be a piece of garbage and maybe they wasted their time or their investors money. That's still possible. But all I'm saying at this particular moment is I look at it as what they would like to portray as something that's ship ready. I mean, they're, they, they put out pricing, you know what I mean? And they're, they're putting it in people's hands like that. That is as ship ready as it can pretty much be. And I look at it and I still have to ask the question, why or for who? Yep. That's not a good place to be for what is effectively a piece of consumer electronics. This is not a $6,000 camera that's purpose built for a very certain subset of professionals. This is in their minds intended to be hanging from the lapels of of tens of millions of people. And I just don't see it. Nope. I mean, I, I, I can end my thoughts on all of this and wrap up the episode and tell them exactly how they need to market and sell this. I know exactly how they can do it and sell a million of them. I think I know where you're going, but hit me. 
They need to make it look like a Star Trek com badge. I knew it. And I would be remiss if I said I didn't think it myself when <laughs> I saw the thing. No, just I go mean, get that sweet, sweet licensing deal yep. from uh, from CBS and Roddenberry yep. Entertainment. Not a sponsor. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, it's, it's what they're going for, you is. know, is, is that kind of a feel. And, and I get it. It's, it's people leaning into science fiction to, for ideas for how to create As the future. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I like it because it drives, it's innovation. It drives us forward yes. towards something that is maybe going to be useful down the road. You know, I, I see something like this and, you know, Google glass and all that kind of stuff. All of these people were onto something. Yep. It's just, it, we're not, that wasn't there the thing yet. We're not, it, it, this is, this is baby step one and we're, and, sure. and it has to happen so we can have baby yes, step two and so on. So yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm glad that it's around. I don't I'm not think mad. Sell many of them. Right. I'm not like going back to, I don't think this is inherently evil. I don't, I truly don't believe this is a play to like, we're going to get super secret computers on people and yeah. then turn them into Cylons. Like I'm not looking at it that way. It's just, this is just one of those, like, obviously someone's money is behind this yeah. and I have to feel, I have a feeling it's going to be someone's money. It's going to be well wasted but other than you're right. It's going to drive the industry yeah. forward. I think about as a kid, my dad's first quote unquote cell phone, probably better just call it my dad's first mobile phone. It was in a bag. It was literally, right. I can picture it. I can picture the tiny duffel bag because it basically had a small car battery in it. I've talked about it on the show yeah. before, and, but you know, in the line of work he was in, like the ability to be able to make a phone call from anywhere was very, very valuable to him and his business. It was ruinously expensive. The battery lasted about four and a half minutes, and but it was a thing. That was not, by a long shot, a phone for everyone. No. But it, it helped drive the innovation for sure. But we, right. I wouldn't have the two phones sitting in front of me without it. Yeah. So no, I'm not even saying this is the, that level of importance. And maybe it is. But it, is, it definitely falls in the category of I'm glad people are taking shots. I'm glad these things are at least being made. I just look at them as if you're going to take it all the way to the, you know, the quote unquote, the next big thing maybe you owe it to yourself to slow down look at your own product and ask why because the why i think i think and this is not unique to here i ask this with a lot of products if i look at a thing that you're asking people to hand over their hard-earned money for if you the maker and seller of that product have not asked the question why earnestly yet and why is different from wouldn't it be cool if yeah this is i mean as a gadget head i look at and say if the same way you reacted, it's kind of cool in a very much a component of fulfilling my Star Trek life fantasy with, right. you know what I mean? But like that doesn't circle the square on why. And yeah, that, I don't know that I, I might be one of the easiest why answering people alive because you put a piece of consumer tech in front of me. I will actively search for an excuse to have it in my life. Sure. This one doesn't have that even for no. me. I don't, I'm and not. I, I'm not interested yeah. in it. Again, I, I would need it to be shaped like a Star Trek com badge for me to even know. <laughs> Maybe, but again, even those. The only reason that so many people had those in Star Trek was they were free. There's no such thing as money. So you know. So if they so if they came out with a replicator first, yes, and then you could make one for yourself. Yeah. Let's, let's you'd get, happily you'd happily hand yourself over to the AI overlords if you just didn't have to pay our, for it. Is that the our, moral of today's yeah, episode? To, well, no, we gotta have we have to have the Trek <laughs> Utopia first, then we can have yes. the AI. Post, so step so. one, post scarcity society. Step two, army of Cylons. Yeah. Got it. I'm I'm, I'm there it. for it. Perfect. <laughs>
we're there. All right. Well, on that literal bombshell, I'm scared about going any further past this particular line. So I think we will uh, we will wrap this one up. Anything uh, anything you have to throw on there at the end? Uh, no, just uh, you know, like we talked about in the last one about this, go out, take pictures, and um, you know, look at them first before you go and add a bunch of AI to them. <laughs> yeah, and then please observe them on a device that has a screen, not on a grid of laser. Yes, laser rays on, on your, your hand. hand, on your palm. Yeah, so. green lasers. Yep. There is your solid state tip for the day. So, all right. Well, on that, I think we will wrap it up and we'll catch you next time. Later. Later.